Welcome to episode three of the Hockey News on the A podcast. We are pleased to join by Toronto Marlies forward Logan Shaw, the reigning AHL player of the week after he recorded nine points in three games. Logan, so what led to the hot hand to uh, winning those honors last week? Uh, just, uh, you know, good team play. Honestly, we had a good power play going. Um, got lucky, obviously, on a couple of them. Uh, just sometimes you get the bounces, sometimes you don't. And last week I had them. The Marlies are off to a really, you know, hot start to the year. What's it been like in your early goings of, you know, being in the Toronto Maple Leaf system and just kind of the year you guys have, have had here? I think this organization, and I'm sure from, you know, years past, they've always done it, but they give you the best chance to succeed, you know, with all the development, um, the resources that they give you. They, they try to make it as much as possible. Um, like an NHL team, obviously, they treat you very well, but I think they just try to put you in – um, places to succeed every night. And, uh, you know, obviously since I've been here, I see that, you know, I've been in a number of organizations and, you know, just be able to compare it to different teams. I think, uh, you know, they want us to win and, uh, you know, to me, they want to develop players, obviously. And, you know, my role is to help, help do that as an older guy. But I think in order to develop players, you have to, you have to learn how to win and you have to win games to, you know, to be in those tight matches and, um, figure out a way to close them. And I think right now we're still in the development process of trying to learn who we are as a team and um, keep taking taking step, steps forward. But, uh, you know, it's definitely nice to have a couple of wins under our belt this early in the year. What are some of those day-to-day differences that kind of make the Marlies stand, stand apart uh, from maybe your, you know, other clubs? I think every team does a great job. Every team that I've been a part of, they do a great job, you know, developing players and having that mindset. Um, here, obviously, there's just a couple more resources that they do have, you know, whether it's uh, nutritionists um, for both, you know, up top and down here. And then we have the development resources for on-ice coaching um, where, you know, you're on the ice 20 minutes before practice in different groups. You're working on individualized skills, um, you know, whether it's shooting, skating, defensive zone play, picking up pucks on the boards, these little skills that you don't normally work on in practice. It's um, more toned to what you need to work on in your game to become a better player. And um, every practice day, we have 20 minutes set aside just for, you know, there's whether it's full groups or whether it's two or three guys in one session, it's, uh, it's nice to work on it. You know, I'm 30 years old and I still enjoy doing it and trying to get better and uh, trying to make each other better out there. You this, signed a th- Sorry, go ahead, Pat. Sorry, just, uh, you signed a three, three, uh, year AHL deal this summer, highly unusual in this league. Uh, we went back, we couldn't find any kind of, uh, precedent for it. How did that whole deal come about? Uh, you know, and both sides willing to make that commitment to each other. Yeah. um, For me, honestly, it was just having a stable place for my family. Um, I have a, you know, two year, half, two and a half year old son um, married. So just being able to say that I'm going to be in one place for three years was a, you know, it's a pretty big thing for, for us as a family, you know, being 30 now, so I'll be 32, 33 when this deal is over. It's a, kind of nice to know where my son will be in daycare, kind of nice to know just that my wife has the same, you know, same city to go to for, for three years. It was, it was a tough decision, honestly, not going back to, you know, not going back to Ottawa, there's other teams around, but uh, um, everything that I heard about this organization was great. You know, I obviously haven't been a part of this team before, but you know, if I'm going to be in one place for three years, I had no problem, you know, doing it here. Um, You know, I know I'm going to get treated well. Again, like I said, you know, we're always going to try to push to win. So it's, uh, it was, it was a tough decision, but, you know, signing an AHL deal alone was also tough, you know, but 
I still want to be the best player that I can be, play the best that I can and push each other, you know, my teammates and, uh, you know, friends to do the same. So I'm, that didn't change anything that I was going to do. I'm still going to show up to the rank every day, you know, work just as hard as I would on, you know, if I was on an NHL deal, that doesn't change anything for me. So Keith Petruzzelli signed an NHL deal. There's a video that went kind of viral um, of Ryan Hardy telling the group that that was going to happen. If I'm not mistaken, I think when you were with the Moose at one point, you were signed to an NHL deal in the middle of the year. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, I started on a, so I started in a PTO in Calgary, went to San Diego, signed an AHL deal, and then right. signed an NHL deal in Winnipeg. So you've, you're familiar with that process. Like, What's that sort of like to be on an AHL deal and then, you know, there must be a big change, obviously, to get an NHL contract um, in the middle of the year like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it was a little weird, like more weird just because I was changing organizations. Um, for him, I mean, he deserves it. He's been he's been our rock here so far. I mean, he's, I think he's 6-0 and to start the season, and he's he's a gamer. He, I think, uh, as you could tell in that video, that our team was, you know, and that, you know, that wasn't like, you know, that was fabricated. That was, he deserved every bit of, you know, we were really excited for him, really pumped up for him. Um, it's cool. I think it's just kind of, uh, sometimes you don't really expect it to happen mid season, but I think it's more of like, a um, a reward, I guess, you know, I mean, obviously I'm sure the way he's playing, he was going to get an NHL deal eventually, but you know, I'm sure it's nice to come a little quicker for him. You know, it's unfortunate and you know how it happens, but that's the business that we're in is someone's injuries another person's opportunity. And, uh, you know, he's been taking advantage of his playing time. And I think, uh, I'm really happy for him because he deserves it. He really does. How big is that for the organization? Ryan Hardy opened it by saying there's three-tier development. Obviously, the growlers are something that the organization invests a lot in and development you know, at each scale. How big is it for your group to see someone like Keith earn an NHL deal, having started with the growlers and just going through the whole you know, development ladder? I think it's huge, and I hope you know the rest of the guys do as well, just for the fact that just because you're on an NHL deal doesn't mean it's over. You know, there's, there's, you're still got to push every day to try to get to the NHL. And even for myself, that's what I'm here to do. I mean, right. I'm here to try to push to make the NHL still. And I'm sure everyone else in like we have a lot of AHL contracts here. Yeah. Um, and I just want them again. And it's the, the fight and the compete that we have every day in practice it is uh, it's up there with the hardest I've seen since I've turned pro hockey for, for practices, which is nice because, and we do have a lot of skill in this dressing room right now, but the, you know, the compete level that we have is it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And I think um, hopefully with guys seeing that, you know, Keith get, get that contract, it's, it's in October, you know, October, November that it's, you know, it's maybe it's not next year. Maybe it is this year that guys are getting it, you know, it's, and it doesn't have to be with this organization, you know, guys still have to fight, you know, they're fighting for their career. They're fighting for the next contract. Um, obviously you want it to be here because, you know, this is where you're at. This is the team you're a part of, but I think it's uh it's pretty special to see someone get promoted like that in season. What's it like to be on the other side of the uh, Belleville Toronto rivalry? Uh, you went in there last Saturday night. Uh, you've seen enough of both sides. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. I really, really enjoyed my time in Belleville. I have nothing but good things to say about it. Um, you know, that the, the city, the town, it's more of like a junior town compared to here. Like there's, you know, just um, less things to do as in like restaurants and stuff, but it's, it's such a good close knit community uh, in Belleville and they really love their hockey, which is, uh, you know, coming down the stretch last year when we were push, pushing for playoffs, it was, you know, us in Toronto playing the last couple of games against each other and the, you know, the rink was full. It was awesome to see. Um, and now being on the other side of it, um, you know, I still have a lot of friends over there, obviously, and it was nice to see them and um, get a little tribute the other night. But I think, 
you know, I want to win here now. This is this is my team now. This is who I'm fighting for. This is who I'm going to war with. And it's um, nice to see those guys, but it was nice to come out on top the other night for sure. Being being on an AHL deal now, does that require a shift in mindset for you? You know, past 10 years almost, you've been pushing NHL and now you're you're on a kind of a different trajectory. Is that is that a different mindset? Um I wouldn't say it's a different mindset. I mean, I would say maybe that I'm not, you know, going home and saying like, oh, maybe I'm going up kind of thing. But I would never say that I was doing that anyway. To me, it was just always a day-to-day thing. Like, you know, you're 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 always fighting for for a call up. You're always, you know, you always want to fight to stay up when you are up, but um it doesn't change anything in how I, you know, handle my day-to-day business or um how I perform on, you know, in the gym, on the ice, practice games. I just, you know, I'm I think that's one thing that I kind of pride myself on is that I'm the same, whether I'm here, whether I'm up top, whether it's, you know, getting a call up or not, it's, I'm still going to be me. And I'm, um, I think that's one thing that I, I really do pride myself is that, you know, the young guys wants to come talk to me about their, you know, if they, they think they should be called up, I'll talk to them about it and I'll tell them straight, straight up, you know, like, well, maybe work on this, maybe work on that. Maybe they'll work a little hard, maybe just your attitude. There's always little things that you can always improve on, but um, for me personally, it doesn't change anything. You know, I'll still be here every day working, trying to trying to still be the best player that I can be, whether it's, you know, to be the best player in this team, this league, it's just I'll be the best version of myself for sure. One last question for you here, uh, Logan. Alex Steves, you know, he had a very strong preseason show with the Leafs, off to a hot start with the Marlies as well. What can you tell the viewers and, you know, Leafs fans and whatnot, what you've seen from Steves to start the year? Uh, work ethic. Honestly, I think that's one. that's what I'm saying. It's It's – it's not just what you guys see in, you know, in games, it's in the gym, it's in practice. Um, our whole group, our whole group has it and we build off each other and he's coming every day and he's going to work. So if the next guy beside him isn't working, he's going to make you work because he's going to outwork you and then you're going to look bad. So I think, you know, the work ethic with him, there's a, there's, I can go down the list and name every single player, you know, what they brought to, to the, this team this year. And there's, if you see someone that's not working, they're going to stand out, you know, for the wrong reasons on this team right now, which is, a, which is a good thing. And I think the way he's playing, um, obviously I didn't know him coming into this year, like, you know, what his habits were like or what he did in the summer, but uh, you can tell that, you know, he prepared the right way. And, uh, you know, obviously it's paying off early in the year and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him with the Leafs for sure. All right, Logan, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you very much, guys. See you, of course. Bye now. All right, Pat, let's get to our prospect of the week um, for this week, and that is Simon Edvinson of the Grand Rapids Griffins. First-round pick of Detroit in 2021, eight points in nine games this year while playing, according to Instat, around 22 minutes a night, driving play. He's got a 52.3% Corsi and a plus 12 relative. In all situations, he's 19 years old. He's playing a big role. What have you seen from the Grand Rapids defender this year? I think the first thing I look at with almost any HL player, but especially a young player is usage. And they said 22 minutes a night as a 19 year old, that shows a lot of confidence from head coach, Ben Simon spoke with him. Uh, actually I spoke with both of them early in the season. And uh, you know, the first thing that, that obviously I think everyone comes to mind is the elite skating ability. Uh, he's very much a prototypical defenseman in that sense six foot six too. So like, you know, that's, that, that stands out to me as well. That, uh, you know, obviously a, a bigger player to be such a good skater at this age, gives you a lot to work with. If you're the Detroit Red Wings, uh, very raw. That was one, uh, one way that, uh, 
Ben Simon described uh, Edmondson, which is to be expected. He's 19 years old. There's a lot to do. I think the thing that is encouraging if you're the Red Wings is they have experience doing this. Uh, Moritz Sider came through here three years ago. Um, he was raw. I actually think he was not nearly as polished as Edmondson was uh, at the same point. Now, we've seen what Sider has gone on to do. He's won a Calder last year. Um, so if you're the Red Wings, you have to be really encouraged. They also had Phillips Zadina come through a few years ago. That was a little bit different. He was 18. He's a forward, but, um, you know, it was a little bit of a rockier, uh, you know, development curve. But uh, the Red Wings are very confident in what they have in Grand Rapids in terms of the coaching staff, the development staff, and their ability to bring along raw but elite young talent. To me, Edmonton's kind of one of those modern-day shutdown guys. Like, mm-hmm. I think the game is shifting away from taking a Zach Bogosian or an Eric Goodbranson in the top five, right? And mm-hmm. sort of the middle ground of that, you have to be able to possess the puck, be a, a sound skater and whatnot, and a shutdown defender, is someone like Edmondson. You know, I don't see mm-hmm. him as an offensive D per se, though granted, as an 18-year-old, he put up really good numbers with Frolanda um, in the SHL, and he didn't play much on the power play. So I think there's a lot of, you know, untapped upside there, but with the understanding that he's probably not going to be sort of what Cider is, but he'll probably complement mm-hmm. him really well. And we've talked about this a couple of times, but just being able to have him in your system at, you know, 19, 20, 21, those kind of core years, that's huge for a guy like him. Like, I, I really think, and the fact that he's able to manage 22 minutes now, I, I mean, that's insane. Like, how often, like, I even remember when Razan Sandin came into Toronto, while he was playing a prominent role, you know, I, and I don't have the ice time uh, figures from them, but I would be very surprised if he was playing upwards of 20 at that time. There's usually a process where you're easing guys in. Well, yeah, if you look at his uh, development uh, history so far, so he got the benefit of playing the Swedish Hockey League, right. for my money, the top league in Europe. Yeah. And now at 19 years old, he's he's getting day in and day out instruction from the Detroit Red Wings and their staff. Um, yeah. It just puts him ahead of a, such a curve. I mean, typical 19-year-old would be playing junior and would not be under um, the day-to-day eye of the Red Wings and, and the Griffins and would also be playing against obviously far lesser competition. I think we, we spoke about this last week that um, I think it's becoming a big edge uh, for teams where with the European players, you can bring them over at 18 or 19 years old. Um, that's a big, big advantage. And uh, it just gets that whole development um, curve accelerated, you know, by a year or two. And I think, it really helps. I think, you know, especially obviously, uh, you know, when you're trying to rebuild like the Red Wings are, the, the, you don't want to do it too fast in terms of development, but you want to do, do it efficiently. And I think that's what this allows them to do. I'd agree. And also Detroit is known to kind of overcook guys mm-hmm. in the minors as it is. Now they have a two-year head start on that process or exactly. however long it may be. Let's shift over to our team of the week. And this week we're going to feature the Calgary Flames and their affiliate, the Calgary Wranglers. Um, you know, Matthew Phillips is someone that generates a lot of conversation in Alberta from what I can see online. Uh, he's someone I wrote about in the hockey news this week. The big thing with him, you know, Phillips, who's tied for the lead in scoring, 14 points in 10 games, he's never been given a chance by Calgary. 
Mm-hmm. And for what, whatever reason that may be, there's a couple, you know, plausible ones. I chucked in with a couple people that know the player directly. Some have worked with him. Others have played against him. Um, but one person that has been working closely with him pointed out that for Phillips, one of the key issues at five foot seven is his lack of strength. Right. And that's something that I think sometimes people can disregard. And obviously with undersized players becoming more prevalent um, in the game as they should skill obviously overrides those sort of intangibles for big guys from the past, but his, his lack of strength is something that really holds him back. And maybe is why he hasn't been given that chance. This person said that he doesn't have Johnny Goudreau's strength um, for an undersized guy. Pat, what's your read on Matthew Phillips and just kind of where he's at his lack of opportunity. And if that day will soon come, or if this is kind of, you know, the situation going forward. Strength is a, it's an interesting topic uh, just because it's one of those things you either have it or you don't. And I, sure you can, you can hit the gym. You can, you can develop in that sense, but I mean, you are what you are to a certain extent in terms of what your body will allow you to do. Um, some guys are just naturally more prone being able to put on muscle, being able to get stronger. And, you know, I think people get hung up on the five foot seven part. I mean, I think, it, I don't think that's as much of an issue as being able to, uh, you know, have that strength, right? Like, you know, totally. there are a lot of guys out there. Jordan Tutu was, was not a tall player, for example, right? Jordan right. Tutu though was strong as anybody. Right. And, um, that's such an advantage, right? Like, like I mean, skill wise, I think Phillips has everything you you'd want, and certainly has proven that he can uh, more than handle the American Hockey League. He's on an eight game point streak right now, like you said, tied for league league in scoring. Um, it's that strength, though. That you know that the the things that he's able to do in the American Hockey League, he can't necessarily get away with in terms of totally um, and the that's, NHL. And that's sorry to cut you off, but that's a great point, Pat. And I think that. Throughout the years, there's always these sort of tweeners. Guys mm-hmm. like Nick Patan, Alex Barry Boulay might be in that territory too. You know, he had a sniff last year at points, but he's back in the A being a, a top player. Historically, someone I remember growing up watching, Jason Krog, mm-hmm. sort of these quad A guys, right? They're too good, per se, for the tri- AAA level, the minor league level, but not good enough to stick in the NHL. And Matthew Phillips might just be that, frankly. The thing for me is he's been on waivers now, I think twice, three times, maybe, if if I'm not mistaken. Every team in the league has had a chance to pick him up, and they haven't. If he was as good as some people say, he would have been at least claimed off waivers. The guys I just mentioned, Patan, claimed before. Barry Boulay, claimed. Now, I'm not saying they didn't stick, so neither would Phillips, but they were claimed at least. Right. No one has even taken a chance on Matthew Phillips when he's been available for free. So that to me is a huge statement of his perceived NHL value. Now, it's funny. You always hear of these guys like Phillips that they're not good enough for the top six. So they can't really bring much to that bottom six or they can't bring much to that bottom six. Therefore, they're kind of in no man's land. A lot of people would counter with that saying, oh, well, why can't you make room for a Matthew Phillips in the bottom six and whatnot? But trust is a huge sort of currency that coaches have. Those little things in the bottom six. Pat, I think you'd be better than you'd be the best person to contextualize this. But what is it that a guy like that would struggle with in terms of fitting into an NHL bottom six? 
Well, I think it's first and foremost, anyone of the, the bottom six, especially, you know, the bottom, you know, bottom three, let's call it the right. fourth line. Um, right. uh, your first job is to go out there and not get scored on, not make a mistake. Right. Totally. And a player like Phillips, when he's at his best, he's playing with a little, little bit of risk in his game. It's, it's measured risk, right? Of course. But, um, sure. It's, it's, I mean, that's what's made him successful. And it is kind of the old adage. You got to, you know, do what got you there. Right. right. And that's not, a, he hasn't played that fourth line game in the American hockey league. And now, now you're asking him not only to come up a level, but to try to play a completely different role from what he's been asked to do, to go out there and do it in six, or seven minutes a night, as opposed to 20 minutes a night. Um, and to just almost remake himself as a whole new player. And um, it's just, I don't, there are better, better candidates for fourth line roles uh, in, with any team than somebody who's never really played that role, even at the American Hockey League level. So it's he's in a tough spot. There's no question. I would say I, the only counterpoint I would say as far as waivers is we've seen players, you know, people make mistakes in NHL front offices. Totally. And sometimes is you know, like, you know, the players get labeled. I mean, Yanni Gord, a great, great example, you know, just sort of, you know, going That's back fair. to the Wings and, and Tampa Bay with Steve Eisman before that, everybody missed him, right? I mean, he was a player that completely overlooked. He was in the ECHL. He was signed a PTO in the AHL. Uh, so it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Um, Marcheseau was another guy, you know, it was he was getting that label as well. He's just an AHL player. And then here he is all these years later. Fair He's point. an established player. So, you know, it's it's sometimes being in the right place at the right time, but totally. having, like you said, that, that trust is 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 major. I mean, I think and, and Daryl Sutter there in Calgary is he's not an easy coach to win over. Um it's so there's that that leash you're on is is pretty tight. And you know, I think that's what works against a player like Phillips. I would like to see him get an opportunity maybe in a different different team, different situation. Um especially not with a, like a win now team like Calgary and especially now with the way the flames are playing, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure up there right now <clears throat> and um, trying to, you're trying to be a player that comes into that, you know, midstream and, right. and, you know, to a situation that's obviously tense right now, that's a tough spot uh, for any young player, especially one trying to establish himself. So yeah, he is in a, he's in a difficult spot, uh, but I think he's making this statement. I, I put that out on Twitter last night. You know what? He's sent down. All you can do is control how you play. He is yep. more than doing that. Uh, eight game points, like I said. Uh, he's saying he's making his case. Now I think it's up to the Flames to kind of meet him and you know meet him halfway and, and see what they can eventually do. But it, it, there's no question it's, it's difficult right now. One last tidbit on Phillips just to speak to his body of work since the 2019-2020 season, Phillips has tallied a league high 66 five on five primary points. And, you know, that is definitely something to, to take note of moving on to the rest of the Calgary flames prospects, really interesting bunch of players there. Someone I want to ask you about is Connor Zary, you know, 10 points in 10 games, first round pick in a 2020 draft sort of had to get acclimated in that first year, which is common, obviously, you know, last year, um, with the Stockton Heat, it took him a bit to get going, which, again, it does happen. But Zary's come out, and he's been a, a top-flight player from the get-go. What have you seen from him to start out the year? 
Yeah, so Zary, like you said, 2020 first rounder. He came in that that first that pandemic season, the the half season. Um, got a little bit of time uh, with Stockton at the time before he had to return to the uh, WHL. So that was that was good, right? To get right. him in there early. Comes into camp last year, training camp with the Flames, fractures his ankle, out to he's about two months he was out. So yeah. he jumps into the season. You know, it's already six seven weeks into the season. He has to kind of hit the ground running there, and that that's a tough spot for you know not not only just a prospect but a rookie at that. Uh, so his season last year was up and down a little bit. Uh, you know, they, they Stockton went on that long playoff run as well, uh, all the way to the Western Conference Final before they fell to Chicago. Um, so that was a chance for him to make up a little bit of that ground that he lost earlier in the season. Uh, but uh, he, he's coming out this year. Uh, you can just tell the confidence is a lot better. Um, you know, I think that's where that's reflected in the numbers, the production. And, uh, you know, when, when a player is obviously more confident, more willing to push the play a little bit, um, I think the, the points follow. Obviously, the talents there um, plays a good hard-nosed game. Uh, you know, well, well liked by the the. the Calgary Rangers coaching staff there, Mitch Love, coach of the year last year. So um, I, I like what he's shown so far. I think just uh, they're going to they're going to be patient with him. I mean, as we, as we said with Phillips, I mean, they certainly shown patience with him. Um, uh, Calgary's in no hurry to uh, rush any players. So I think that's a good situation for Zari where he'll be able to marinate a little bit there with, with the American League team and, and, and really um, – bring his game along and make up some of that, that ground that, uh, you know, kind of threw him off last season. Another first round pick. A lot of them in Calgary is, uh, Jacob Pelletier first round pick in 2019. Great pro rookie season last year with, with the Stockton heat, 62 points in 66 games coming out of the gate flying again with eight points in 10 games. He's another undersized guy, five foot nine. Um, he's listed as according to hockey DB. I wouldn't say he's as, you know, glaringly small as a Phillips per se. Um, but how far is Pelletier from, from getting a shot? Obviously that depends on injuries and, you know, different circumstances, but in terms of being NHL ready, where do you kind of see him at, at this point in time? It's interesting because coming out of last season, you know, going into camp, there was a sense that he might really oh, make yeah. a strong push for a job in Calgary. And I it didn't so. pan out. Apparently, uh, you know, they weren't real happy with the training camp. He, he, he put on and, Hey, that, that, that happens with young players, right? Like that's totally. not unheard of. Um, that, that pace can be a little bit overwhelming for, for, for players. And um, he had a, like you said, an excellent rookie season uh, that, that, that Stockton team last year was a force. Um, and probably for my money would have been the Calder cup winner, if not for just an absolute juggernaut uh, with the Chicago wolves. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's not the worst thing the world would come back. Um to realize that there are still some things to work on um, at the American League level, and he's he's going to get a really good education there. And, and this, I think, also just comes back to the point: having that team now in Calgary, um, you know, as opposed to Stockton, you're, you're under the, the the very close scrutiny of the, the NHL front office on a nightly basis. I mean, Daryl Sutter is at every uh, Calgary Wranglers home game, pretty much. His son, uh, Brett, is the captain of the team, so there's right. that interest, but also just, you know, so, you know, you're, if you're if you're a Wranglers prospect right now, you, you cannot say that you're not, um, right. 
you're not being noticed or you're being ignored or you're forgotten about down in the minors that, that, that old complaint that a lot of players used to have no longer the case. Uh, so Peltier just, you know, like you said, go out and produce, but also, you know, really prove that you're going to be responsible on both sides of the puck. And that's the biggest thing that holds players back. Uh, if, if you can get past that, that, uh, difficulty in, in, you know, learning how to play without the puck, kind of learning a whole new element of your game you never had to necessarily worry about in junior, even to some extent in the American League at first. Um, you can really come ahead and that, that those are the players that eventually reach the NHL and stay. Really quickly here before we move on, Dustin Wolf, a phenom last year, 21-year-old goaltender, came out of the gate in his first rookie in his his rookie pro season. He was bar, probably the best goal in the HL last year. He ended up playing 13 playoff games as well for Stockton. 924 save percentage looked like the next one looked like he was next in line sort of to become the backup goaltender in Calgary. Not maybe not necessarily this season. I think it's a little bit premature, but you know, in the, in the following years that will come up, what do you think about Wolf's timeline? And it's really weird to predict the goalies. We often see it and they take the longest to develop, but they also stay the longest once they're there in the NHL, most vital position in the game. Could Wolf become a piece for Calgary next season or the year after, or is it too early to tell? I think two years would be sufficient for him. Um, it's a great story, right? Seventh, seventh round pick. Yeah. Uh, WHL goalie, um, CHL goalie, um, you know, before of the year before he came into the HL comes in last year and just picks up all sorts of hardware. Um, puts that team on his back on some nights, uh, uh, takes them all the way to conference final. Um, so he, he, he got a lot packed in to a rookie season. I I think, yeah, by next fall, I think he's ready to make a push. Um, and, you know, like you said, it is a longer curve for, for goalies, but um, he's accelerated that curve considerably. Uh, very mature, very smart, very um, self-aware prospect. Um, yeah, he's not not in a hurry mm-hmm. to reach the NHL, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. You know, some players that, you know, they think they should be in the NHL yesterday. He's willing to understand that there is a, you know, a certain amount of time that a young goalie needs. And, and he's willing to put in that time, put in that work. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you're the Calgary Flames, you have to be very encouraged. Um, you know, he's 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 shown a good ability to bounce back. You don't see too many situations with him early in his career where, you know, there's more than a bad game uh, or two. I mean, he shuts down those those streaks really fast in terms of uh, you know when he you know maybe is you know a little bit of a dip. It, those dips are a lot smaller than most young goalies go through. Last guy we're going to touch on Ruslan Isakov, Bridgeport mm-hmm. Islanders. One of the crazy stories in the HL this year. So second round pick in the 2018 draft. He went to college at University of Connecticut for two years. Then he went to the Finnish league, and then. Mm-hmm. To the German league. Now, this year, the 22 year old, his first rookie year pro, 14 points in 10 games. What a electric player he is! Crafty. He's got like unbelievable vision. Really fun story out of out of nowhere. Um, Pat, quickly, what do you kind of project for him, and how long until we could see him in Islanders uniform? Yeah, second round pick, and uh, you know, if you did one of those redrafts, you're probably looking at him as a first round pick. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, a really unique curve and just you don't see many players take that path where you know they, they two years of u.s college and then 
go over to a high level league like like right. the Finnish league and and then you know kind of a different element of a league in Germany, a little bit more of a North American style game. So he's kind of been able to blend a lot of different uh, you know, environments and styles uh, into his game at an early age. Um, the knock on him, of course, will be size, right, and strength and, and that. But uh, five foot nine, I should say. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I spoke with Brent Thompson, the head coach there, and he, he acknowledges that. And um, you know, he's yeah, he does have to be stronger, but you know, he plays a hard nosed game. Uh, he attacks the net, um, plays strong on the walls. He's, he's um, obviously he the skill is there as well. So if you couple those those ingredients. Uh, I don't think it's gonna to be too long before you see him with the the big team. Um, I think uh, you know he's he's just thinks the game at a different pace, and you can just you can tell that his his ability, his his um, vision is is a notch above most of his peers at this level. Totally. All right, folks, thank you so much uh, for tuning in this week. Hope you liked our special guest, our breakdown of Calgary, Simon Edmondson. Ruslan Esikov. Hope to see you next week as well. And uh, yeah, let us know if you want any guests or anything in particular.